Over the last few episodes, we have mentioned websites and putting things on your website, but we haven't talked about where to get started. In this episode, we're going to take you through step-by-step on how you can get your place on the World Wide Web. That and more coming up. What's up? I'm TJ. And I'm Justin. And welcome to the Talking Pixels podcast, helping you take your photography from hobby to career. How are you doing today, Justin? What are you up to, man? Oh, doing well, man. It's been a crazy day for me today. Um, been just busy with pretty much all kinds of work today, but um, been uh, looking forward to doing this podcast. I've been um, moving out of my studio and looking at some new potential options for a studio right now as well. Nice. Um, and yeah, so I've just been, you know, keeping busy, looking forward to, uh, they finally announced businesses are starting to open up and, uh, you know, the, you know, throughout May in the first kind of phase of opening. Yeah. So looking forward to getting back out and starting to shoot again. Absolutely. And that's one thing that we've been talking a lot about at the store as well is, you know, what are our what are our plans for opening? Are we still going to do curbside only? And there's still a lot of things to be discussed because in Ohio, if let's say somebody on the team gets sick, we have to close down all operations for two weeks. That means nobody can be in the store, nobody can ship, nobody can. So for our business, it's like we have to really juggle what we can allow and we really have to be super safe because with this pandemic, I mean, anything can just latch on to you and then you can get people infected. And so we're kind of at a crossroads now on, you know, do we go, I mean, are there things that we never had to think of? Like, do we stop taking cash? Do we do shipping only? Like all these business decisions that, you know, these aren't in the business books, you know, they never covered this in my business degree, you know, when, uh, what to do during a pandemic. Like, so we're, it's every day it's changing. Um, so we're just kind of trying to make the best of it. Uh, for me personally, for photography, um, I've been on a binge lately buying cameras, unfortunately. A lot of good deals <laughs> have come my way. So currently teaching myself uh, a new camera, not a new camera system per se, but a different level of the Canon line that I'm not used to. So I've been. What'd you pick up? Uh, 1DX. Okay. So it's been about 10 years since I've had a 1D. The 1D Mark II is what I used to shoot with about 10 years ago. Um, so just relearning the menus and kind of studying a little bit more with some birds in flight stuff to practice for the Mm. sports season. Uh, Now that I'm going to be home every day and not traveling, I'm really excited to start shooting high school sports again. That was one thing I used to do that I absolutely loved. And if you are a senior photographer or you're listening to this to start a senior business, there is no better way, in my opinion, than to get out on the sidelines and take photos during those events and share them with the community. That brought me, I would say, 70 to 80% of my business when I first started out. So not thinking about starting up the seniors again, but definitely want to start shooting the sports again. Yeah, no, that's exciting. I've been um, I've been trying to shop around and find a good deal on an A7R3 because I'm I'm looking to make my A7 III a backup camera body for my weddings. Um, so I've been shopping around on Facebook Marketplace and I found a couple, but the it just hasn't gone through yet. So I'm still keeping my options open, trying to find a you know a good deal on that since uh, wedding season is coming upon us. Hopefully, if they start, you know, 
I'm yeah. going to keep my fingers crossed that's coming up because rescheduling weddings is becoming quite a hassle. So. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I'm kind of glad that I'm not, I was telling my wife last night, I'm like, I do miss weddings. Like I miss, like I was looking through some old photos from weddings. I'm like, I do miss it. And she's like, but don't you like being home on the weekends and not like right now you'd be rescheduling right. everything and freaking out. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I like that. I don't have those right now, but you know, my, I'm with you, man. That that's that has to be horrible. And then I've seen a lot of posts on groups and stuff too, saying you know they're rebooking, but they're scheduling on top of someone else's date again. So it's just such a hassle for photographers. Yeah. I mean, um, my heart is with you guys that are still in that you know people part of this business. Yeah, it's hard to you know it's hard to be the good guy and you know, unfortunately have to be the bad guy in that scenario when something like this comes around and, you know, you might not have the rescheduled date available. And then what do you do with the deposit and what do you right. do about your contract? And there's so many just, you know, it's hard. It's very questionable decision-making because you never know if you're making the right decision. Um, so I definitely feel it. I haven't had too much of that luckily, but I feel for all the other photographers who, you know, may have had weddings booked all of May and June, and now they're rescheduling eight to 12 to 15 weddings like what are you going to do right. it's a very tough time out there for them yeah and that that'll probably turn into a podcast episode once this is all over i feel like a good turn a good uh title will be things we learn from covid19 to build stronger Absolutely. businesses you know so one thing too that i've been working on a lot and i know um you've been you know working on your site a lot is our website so one thing that mm -hmm. i've been had a kind of a pet project is getting some of my travel work out there and i know you you fired up a website for some of your more fine art stuff but we keep talking about these websites and we haven't really you know broke down exactly what a website is or how you even get started on the internet so before we get started though like do you think, like, in your opinion, do you think people still need websites with social media? Like, is Facebook and Instagram enough? Um, yeah, you know, like, the millennial in me is, like, social media is, like, king, kind of. But also, at the same time, the, the business owner and the, like just my entrepreneurial side is saying, absolutely, you have to have a website. Um, so I'm leaning more on that side. I mean, I think no matter what, that social media has not taken over having a website. I think a website is key in every profession. It doesn't matter if you're a service or you sell products. A website is key. That's going to be your central home base. It's You have full customization over it. And it's really what you can you can make it your own it's like your digital business card in a way and and more because you can actually show what you do and provide additional value through it and so you know social media is great but i still think they're tools as opposed to you know a home base of your website absolutely i think they go hand in hand as well and you really can't have one without the other and one thing, the one thing I want you to think about, if you're out there saying, well, I have a Facebook page, that's enough. Actually, two things. Number one, having a website gives you a kind of that next level of being a business professional that, you know, you're in business, your business is photography. It's that mindset. So number one, it's going to kind of set you apart from the crowd. Number two, you know, Justin mentioned a very good point is in control. You know, you hear all these horror stories about when they change the Instagram algorithm or the Facebook algorithm and, you know, thousands of followers are lost. And, you know, you hear people complain about, oh, nobody sees my content. Well, you're letting, you're playing in someone else's sandbox. 
So, Mm -hmm. you know, when you create your website, that is the one thing that you have control over that user experience. You're not, you know, you're not relying on Mark Zuckerberg and what changes he's going to make at Facebook for the success of your business. So if nothing else, it's a place where, like Justin said, a home base that you have control over that you can, again, take a step and be a step above the rest. So what, like, where do we even start, Justin? I mean, we've so far, if we look back at our current our episodes, you know, we have a good idea of the kind of work that we want to create. We have a pretty good idea of our overall look and feel when it comes to, you know, what when people think about us. But like, what is the first thing that we need to think about when it comes to a website or our, our business as it pertains to a website? Yeah, I mean, I so in my past, I don't know, past eight years, I've probably had four or five different websites. And what my number one biggest mistake I think I had was I didn't decide on my business name until after I had already designed a website. So my business name is Justin Gamble Photography LLC. And previously I had, you know, with, without knowing better, I just kind of came up with a, uh, a website. I came up with a photography business that I wanted to, I thought I wanted to pursue. And I call, I titled it Northlight Photographics. So my first website was under Northlight Photographics. And I soon realized there was no direct connection to me. So what I wanted to do was then change that to Justin Gamble Photography and actually start my business. So I think the first thing that we need to consider and talk about is what is our business name going to be? And it's a it's a really important decision and is, is something you have to commit to. But I think that's the first step you have to take is like, okay, what am I going to call my business? What am I going to be known for before you even go and dive into setting up a website? Absolutely. And I don't think that that is something that you do in an echo chamber. That's not something that you should do alone. You should do research and put like a list of your top five, but then go out and find like 10 other names and put them in there and find the people around you and say, you know, list your top two or your top five names if I were to start this photography business, because you're going to get a lot of different ideas on, you know, how it resonates with people. For example, you know, with my fitness stuff that I do, you know, I had the domain fit for the road because I was on the road all the time. And I was, you know, all of my weight loss all happened while I was on the road. Well, Mm -hmm. as I was, now that I'm back, I'm like, I want to start that project again. I want to start sharing my journey again, but I'm not on the road anymore. So I'm going to come up with a new name. And I came up with a couple different domains and I shared them with friends. And then finally a friend's like, why wouldn't you just keep fit for the road? And that's how people know you. I'm like, well, I'm not on the road anymore. And he's like, I didn't even know that's why you called it that. I just assumed because you're a runner, you're always running on the road. Like I just, I didn't even put that together. So, you know, you see different things with different names. Like I did fitnesstechguy.com and my wife was like, well, like that doesn't, I, it doesn't tell me what you're doing. You know, is it fitness? Is it technology? Are you, you know what I mean? It's just for her, mm-hmm. that name didn't land. So with, when it comes to your name, I think there's a couple things that you need to keep in mind. Number one is obviously it has to resonate with you and you have to believe in it. Um, but number two is you, it, how, find out, do some research with those loved ones kind of around you and see how it resonates with them. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what was key for me in making my decision of setting up my business was my the first one that I came up with, Northlight Photographics. Um, I felt like what I had been doing was trying to build my own personal brand around a name that didn't resonate with that. Like I wasn't like I wasn't building a Northlight Photographics brand. I was building a Justin Gamble brand under the name Northlight Photographics and they weren't connecting. So I think what's really important is making sure that you have a direct connection to the name. It's a name that you can get behind and a name that other people will understand. Um, and honestly, like I'm just thinking about that name, like Northlight. I'm like, that's a pretty cool name. Like, and I'm starting to like imagine the branding, maybe some mountains, very modern-esque look. And then I'm thinking like, we're in the Northern hemisphere. Does light come from the North? No, light wouldn't come from the North. And so like, I'm already like confused by that mm -hmm. because, you know, moss grows on the North side of a rock type of thing. So it's because it doesn't get as much sunlight. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, my mind's already kind of like wondering, like, cool name, but then I'm like way overthinking it. So, you know, you'll find those people around you that are doing, that'll do that same thing. Like they'll dig deep into it and different people, you know, they value different things. Like you can get domains like dot photography and dot, um, like dot tech. Um, you can get all these different things. Um, mm -hmm. I prefer dot com or dot co personally, everybody has their own opinions. Um, but when I was going through that process, you know, I shared it with a tech geek friend of mine. He's like, Oh, that's a really cool name. Dot tech, blah, 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 blah. This is why I like it. It makes sense because you know, it has to do with technology and technology. People would understand that. And that was a red flag for me. I'm like, but that's not my audience. Like I'm right. the tech guy sharing this information and teaching non-tech people, you know, which fitness band they should go for, what app they should download to track their fitness. Like, and that was, again, it was because I asked other people, got their opinions that I then formulated my own. And I went back and told him, I'm like, Hey, I ended up sticking with fit for the road. And this is why. And he was like, yeah, that's great. I think that's, I totally get why you think that like, he wasn't mad that I didn't pick his option. He just, right. he understood that, Hey, it was just an opinion that he gave. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, it's, you know, put it out to a couple friends. If you have fellow photographers, get their opinions on it. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you're going to pick what resonates the most with you and what you feel is the, like is the epitome of your business. And that's going to be the right, that'll be the right name. Um, but what, what I would say is make sure you're committed to the name before you go and purchase your website, because that's the mistake. The first mistake I made, I had already bought the website and the hosting and everything for it. And then I decided that's not what my business was going to be. So I had to redo all of it again. So just make sure you're committed to it. And you, it's something you feel passionate about before you move forward. But I think that's a good segue in TJ into kind of what we wanted to talk about here. Absolutely. Um, you know, what are all these terms, web, web terms? I mean, you are much more tech savvy than I am in terms yeah. of this stuff. I have a website and I, but I don't know a lot of the backend stuff. Sure. Um, so why don't we go over some of these confusing terms that people might not understand, like a domain name and hosting and SSL and stuff like that? Absolutely. And before we jump into that, I wanted to let you know about a really cool website. Uh, before we jump on, when you're looking at your different names, if you go to namechecker.com, um, spelled without an E at the end, it's one of those hip websites, you can actually enter your brand name and you can see where it's available on all social networks. So cool. again, like Justin, let's like, let's try Northlight just to be, um, just to see if it's out there. Northlight, you said studios. Uh, Northlight Photographics. Okay, Photographics. 
So now I can go into this website. I can type that in. It's available as a .com. It's available on Facebook, MySpace, uh, Twitter, maybe not. <laughs> Tumblr, yes. Slack, yes. YouTube, yes. So this would be a great name for somebody. I might steal it. I might have to go, oh, you already bought the domain name. Darn. But I, I don't know if I still own it anymore. <laughs> that was like five years ago. It could very well be expired at this point. Right. So this would be a good domain name, though, because it's available. But if I just do Northlight Studios... I can search for that and then boom, not available on Facebook. Can't get that as a domain name. It's not available on you know basically any social media at all. Um, so that would not be a good one because you're going to be competing. And even for us, like our website is thepixelconnection.com. If you just go to pixelconnection.com, it's this like 3D animation of a pixel, and it's like hmm. that. That's horrible because if people think well, they just automatically assume pixelconnection.com. Whereas we're thepixelconnection.com. So doing right. this part is key before you actually go out and create like your domain name. Because that domain name is not going to be available. Now you can get creative, but you know, you want to check here first and make sure everything's available across all social media. That's just going to make your life a lot easier. Yeah, nothing's worse than figuring out, you know, you buy your website and then you go to make your Facebook page and you find out you can't because that already exists or yep. <laughs> you go to make a Twitter and you can't because it already exists. You can't use your Instagram name. I ran into that with my weddings because I my weddings are branded weddings by Justin, but somebody else has yeah. that. Yep. Um, I added weddings later into my business. That was not initially part of my business model. So I kind of fell into that one, but I came around with a, a new solution to it and I just made it weddings by Justin OH for Ohio. Yeah. Um, and worked, but you know, that's a good thing. You need to check and make sure that, you know, you don't want to buy your website and find out, shoot, I can't make it my social media handles. Now what do I do? Absolutely. hundred percent. So let's get into it. We talked about domain names. So I mentioned that term. So what a domain name is, is that's the www dot in my case, like tjshots.com. Those websites aren't live right now. I still have the domains, but or tjhouston.com is a better example. And that you're basically just buying that name, and it's like you're buying a name in a phone book. And that phone book is the worldwide DNS system or the domain naming system. And what it is, it's there. It's the whole DNS system is maintained by ICANN, I-C-A-N-N. And basically, it's a worldwide, it's not just in the U.S., it's, it's a worldwide um, phone book that has a list of, okay, the domain name tjhouston.com, it was registered at GoDaddy. Go, fig, go ask GoDaddy what I need to serve up. So the request comes from your client's browser. It'll go up to the DNS system. That request then goes to your DNS provider. So in this case, wherever you bought your domain name from, that's usually where your DNS is hosted at. And then at GoDaddy, it basically says, okay, you said you want to go to www. According to my records, this is where you need to go. So I can buy the domain justinsucks.com, and I can point it to anywhere. I can point it to his Facebook page. I can point it to this podcast. I can point that wherever I want it to go. Because all I bought is the DNS. All I bought is the domain name. So does that does that make sense, Justin? That what we're buying when we buy a domain name? Yeah. So essentially, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but basically, you're buying the name of a, a like a location, right? So you're or basically the web address is determining you, what location you'll be going to. So justinsucks.com if you say hey that's the website that i want to take to 
I want it to take you to justingamblephotography.com. Both of those websites, you know, www.justingamblephotography.com and www.justinsucks.com will be going to the same place. Correct. And you're you're basically buying the ability to control that domain name, that .com, that .co. You're, you're buying the ability to, to control it. So it's like you're buying a phone number, for example. It doesn't matter what phone mm-hmm. you have. You can put that phone number on any phone. Right, that's a great analogy. You're just buying the ability to control where it goes. So moving on from there is SSL. So the reason I put this with the domain name section is because if you look at a lot of websites, they start with HTTPS or HTTP. So we're going to get into this a little bit in our next segment because this is a two-parter. But HTTP is the Hypertext Transfer Protocol. And then HTTPS is Hypertext Transfer Protocol Secure. And when it comes to SEO or search engine optimization, which is what we're going to talk about in the next segment, you get more create, you get more juice, some more search juice if your website is secure. Also, if you're going to be taking money from clients through your website, it has to be secure. Just in general, like it's 2020, your website should be an HTTPS website. It should absolutely be secured and what it means is a secure tunnel. Whenever you use HTTP, so let's say we're sitting in Starbucks and I go to httptjhouston.com. That information leaves my web, my uh, laptop. It goes up to the internet and it comes back down. So let's say Justin's sitting next to me and he's using a tool called a packet sniffer. What that means is he can see everything that is going between my laptop and the internet because it's HTTP. It's not secure at all. So now let's say I go to HTTPS. When Justin looks at that traffic, because it's HTTPS, that means it's secured, which means it's um, it basically is wrapped in a container that is all like broken up gibberish. It is encrypted. And so you don't get the the person that's sniffing that traffic, they don't know what is going through there because it's encrypted. And unless they have the encryption key, there's no way to get to that information. So that's why you see like bank websites, they have the little lockup in your address bar. The sites that we interact with every day, even like regular google.com is now moving to HTTPS. So in order to do that, you have to buy what's called an SSL certificate. So an SSL certificate is basically, and it usually works up to like five, on GoDaddy, it'll work on five websites, but basically it says, this website is a secure website, and I've turned it on so it will only communicate through these ports to make sure that it stays secured. And we could do a whole podcast on SSL, but it's a very boring subject. Um, but <laughs> once we get to the latter half of this episode, it's going to make ex- a lot of sense why I'm explaining this now. But SSL and having an HTTPS site is very, very important, especially now in 2020, where identity theft is just on the rise. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something I just found out about um, pretty recently, actually. Um, the website that I I use as a, or sorry, I should say the service that I use as a builder for my website has that built into it, which is really great. Um, so I didn't even realize that I had it until I got an email telling me that I didn't. I was like, oh, well, that's really great to know because I heard people talking about SSL, but I didn't know what it was. So that was also, you know, a kind of eye-opening thing for me to know hey, at least my website's secure. And not on top of that, it also helps with SEO. Absolutely. 
So our next thing that we have to be concerned with is our TLD or our top level domain. And what that is, is after you see a website, so for example, when you see whitehouse.gov or army.mil or utoledo.edu, those TLDs are reserved and only government, higher ed, and um, the military can use those TLDs. But the TLD is the part at the end. So from there, there's ones that you can actually buy. So I'm thinking back to like 15 years ago, you would be able to get like .cc. Well, .cc was a country code. The domain name system, DNS, started off with having .com was for businesses, .org was for organizations, .info was meant to be just like informational pages. But as marketers got more and more creative, they found different ways to use those domains. And they a lot of times you want a super short domain, especially when you're sharing links. So they would use something like .dot. Let's say like dot cc. Um, I don't even know what country code that is. Let me dot cc domain. I'll look it up real quick. Um, so that is for Cocos. So the Keeling Islands is an Australian territory of about 5.4 miles, and they have their own .cc domain name. Well, us in the U.S., we were using them because it was a nice short domain name. So I can get tjhouston.cc, or you could even get things like photography or photo.cc. And then that opened you up to have this like really high level, like a very good short domain name, but you weren't using it properly. So now what's happened is the amount of TLDs or top-level domains that have been opened up is, it's, to, in my opinion, is pretty crazy. Like the amount that are out there. I just noticed like companies can start filing for them. So Canon, for example, has .canon. And you can get .photo, .photography, .I mean, you can get .almost anything, .fitness, I think. Um, the problem is people, it confuses people. When you say, hey, just go to Justin.photography. Wait, it's Justin.photography.com. And then yeah. like, what's your email account? Justin at Justin.photography. Like, so to me, those TLDs, they're vanity. I don't think they are good necessarily. I would only buy a .com or a .co. I, I've bought .nets and .orgs in the past because that's all that was available. But if you can, I would much rather see you get a .com co tld or a dot com tld or i mean even dot biz is kind of okay um but honestly if you can get a dot com that's what you want to go with yeah you know you're sticking to something that people are comfortable with um you know a lot of those customized ones um you see them and you're not even really sure what they are sometimes like you, they seem a little skeptical at least to me and i'm sure to especially to some people who are less tech savvy that don't aren't aware that you can even purchase those, they might seem a little, you know, Almost they might like just seem spammy. a little different. So yeah. yeah, like, you know, you never know what you might be visiting. .com, .co, .net, .org, those are respectable. 100%. They've been around for a long time. People know and understand them. So they're good routes to go. I agree with TJ though, .co and .com are very, very common. And those are a safe bet if you can get them. Sometimes depending on the name you pick and if you're, you know, whatever domain you purchase, um, .coms can be somewhat pricey. Um, especially if they had been a successful website in the past. Um, but you know, with that being said, the, that's probably your best route to go the .com.co route. Absolutely. And remember like this isn't just 
for today. We have to think long-term. So once we start getting our professional email set up, once we start getting, um, you know, we're getting this website out there, we have to think for tomorrow. This is the time when we're first building our business that we need to take all of these things into consideration. 100%. So up to this point, I just want to be clear. All we've done is bought the ability to control something. We don't have a website yet. All we have is a name. That's all we have so far. And I think a lot of people get confused because they're like, okay, I bought a domain. Where's my website? They go there and it says, oh, this is a park domain or that nothing goes or errors out and they're confused. So what is our next step? So we have our domain. We've bought our SSL certificate. What is our next step? Yeah. So the next step, this is something is funny because I had that exact same thing happen to me earlier this year. I bought, I bought my hosting which is our next topic here, um, through GoDaddy. And after a year, it had expired. And I thought I was hosting through something else. And I went to visit my website one day and realized my website didn't exist anymore. But I I owned the domain, but there was no website there because I was not hosting anything at that domain. So our next topic here is going to be hosting. So um, again, TJ, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but just based off what I learned from that encounter, hosting is going to be a service that you are paying for to actually host a website at the domain that you purchase. Absolutely. So it's a, it's basically like you're buying a computer to run software or you're buying that phone. You have the phone number. Now you're buying that actual phone itself. Yep. Yeah. So like I said, I used GoDaddy for that. I still use GoDaddy. Um, and basically you're just paying for, uh, I think there you can buy them at different uh, periods of time. You can go for a year, you can get five years, 10 years, mm-hmm. different costs for different lengths of time. Um, but I know you were just telling me a little bit before we got onto this podcast about that you were switching over to a different hosting platform. Yeah, so um, just to clarify some pricing on some stuff. So your domain name, I would budget $20 on the high end. I'm looking at GoDaddy's website today and a .com's 12 bucks. So hosting, on the other hand, so hosting is going to go up and down based on the amount of bandwidth that you need, storage, etc. And honestly, for storage, a lot of them are becoming unlimited plans. I'm keeping up with this phone analogy. It's the same thing. Before, we used to get free nights and weekends, and then we got free texting, and then now it's just unlimited everything. It's the same thing kind of with hosting, um, but you just have to look at the fine print to see you know, what your um, bandwidth is and storage and all those things. And again, if you have questions about these things, email me. I've been doing this stuff for... My first website as probably, I'm 30, I think I'm 31 now. So 20 years ago, 22 years ago was the first website that I built. So I've been doing this for a while. And I've honestly, I've been a GoDaddy customer for the last probably 12 to 15 years of that. Um, but I, I finally got to the point where it's not meeting my needs. But again, I'm a power user. I, ha- I run about 12 to 15 websites. Um, so... It's just not for me. Do I think it's good for the beginner photographer? Absolutely. I think their pricing is on point. I think that the fact that you can get your website, domain name, and your hosting, and your SSL, your email all in one place, yes. You're going to pay a little bit more, but honestly, I wouldn't even worry about that. I would just budget that into your pricing. Again, we talked about that in a previous episode as having like those total cost of goods sold. We have to make sure that we include this in our overhead costs. So I've moved on to a tool called SiteGround. And honestly, the biggest reason that I chose SiteGround was it is rated as one of the top WordPress hosts. 
Um, but we're going to talk about different applications, you know, later on in the show. But I had very specific needs for what I wanted from my hosting provider. Um, so if you, you know, after we talk about all the different options, if you determine that, hey, you want to go with WordPress, definitely take a look at SiteGround. It's one of the best for WordPress. It's a good overall host, but honestly, if you're just getting started, I would have no problem recommending GoDaddy for buying your domain name and doing all those things. Yeah, definitely. So, um, as you know, I think that's a good transition as you're kind of talking and touching in on to WordPress here. Um, you know, different ways that so we have that we purchased the hosting, we purchased our domain name, and now what? So, you know, your website doesn't just automatically appear to the that link now. Um, we actually have to go in and build the website out, develop it into what we want it to be. So there's a number of ways that you can go about doing this for a while. I actually paid somebody else to do it because I just didn't know enough about it. Um, I know, you know, web design is a whole career path in itself, but there are some other options here that we have. Um, do you want to maybe go into a little bit about, I don't know, starting with uh, WordPress and I, yeah. you know, we can kind of go off from there. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people, when they think about a website, they look at it and think that they have to write all the code and use HTML, which is hypertext, mm -hmm. hypertext markup language, that they have to sit down and code this whole website. And honestly, that's not the case at all. Um, can you do that? Absolutely. So, I mean, if you want to learn HTML and CSS and JavaScript, go get a Udemy course and teach yourself and you could do that. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You have the hosting that allows you to do that. And what hosting is, it's storage space, but then it's also, it's a computer in that it can run different technologies. So you'll see things like PHP. Um, you'll see things like JavaScript. These are all different operating system tools that allow your website to run. For example, you know, this podcast, this podcast the website, it's being hosted on a server, but it's being served up by several different tools like PHP, JavaScript, all those things that you're seeing. Those are all backend technologies. So if I didn't want to geek out on that, uh, I would be using a tool like WordPress, for example. WordPress runs, I think it was like 60 or 70% of the internet last time I checked. It might even be more. But it's probably the most well-documented, but there is a learning curve to it. And there's actually whole books on like WordPress for photographers. Um, you can find tutorials on WordPress. Uh, over the years, like I said, I my first WordPress site was in 2007, um, so about 13 years ago. Um, and I've just learned you know, every step of the way. So like for me, WordPress is second nature. Like if I needed a, you know, if I wanted to create Northlight Studios, I probably could have had it if we would have started at the beginning of the podcast, I would have a working website up done by the end of the podcast because I just, I've taken the time to learn it. So it's something that if you want to invest that time in, then I think it's a really, really good idea because you might not, maybe you want to start up a photo booth company in the future, or maybe you want to separate your brides from your um, seniors. You know, Once you have that foundational understanding of WordPress, you can keep doing it because WordPress is open source and it costs you $0 when you install it on your own hosting. So again, you're already paying for hosting. You can just download WordPress, install it on your hosting, and then you can start setting up your website. And if you need help with setting up WordPress or you have questions about it, please reach out. I mean, I'm I'm actually to the point where I'm thinking about making a course on setting up WordPress because it's something that I 
believe in. I think it's a really great tool and it can be used in so many different ways. I mean, you can set up an e-commerce cart, you can set up a portfolio. I mean, the possibilities are endless with WordPress. So what, yeah, which I ones have you had experience with? Sure. Uh, I just want to add, I think yeah. it's kind of key, a key thing about um, what you're using is a, a custom, the cust, customization. Sorry, I couldn't get the word out. Um, I think, you know, and this is something I don't have a ton of experience with either because I don't understand coding and stuff. But from my basic understanding, you know, you can go with a site, something like a Wix or a Squarespace um, website, but you would ultimately have more ability to customize your website if you're using something like HTML or perhaps WordPress. You have a little bit more flexibility in terms of how your website looks. Is that, I mean, is that a 100%. You're in control of absolutely everything. So you're not as in much con- as much control as HTML because you're coding everything in HTML. And with WordPress, updates do come out for plugins that could break stuff. So like you are at the mercy of some, but not compared to some of the other tools that are out there. And remember, especially as you're starting to create content for your business, so writing blog posts about the events that you're shooting, the traveling that you're doing, whatever it might be, you know, you're creating content. What what if tomorrow, you know, Facebook decides to charge you for that? It's the same thing when it comes to your web host and the tools that you're using. So again, if you want to be that, I want control over absolutely everything. I want open source. WordPress is going to be for you. If you're looking to just get started, there's so many other great tools that can get you started and much easier way than learning WordPress. Yeah, I think my biggest hesitation with, um, well, a couple of hesitations. One was the amount of time that I thought it would take me to set up a website. And the other was the lack of knowledge I had when it came to setting up a website. So what I opted for was actually, I had learned it from another studio that I had previously worked at, but I built my website through um, PhotoBiz. And PhotoBiz, I feel like is a really great option for photographers because it's it is geared towards photography in general and it's a very simple platform you log into your um you log into the website and then you immediately have everything at your disposal so you have your builder you have e-commerce you can schedule clients you can add forms you can do email marketing um you have proofing you can blog it has all of the necessary tools that a photographer would need in a very simple format that's almost just plug and play. Um, you really don't have to. You really don't have to have too much knowledge about how to build a website in order to do it, because the options for building the website are as simple as drag and drop, put in a photo, add the text you want to add. It's very very simple. There's no, you know, it. It took me maybe an hour to learn in the, the layout of their website, but then once I figured it out, it was just you know, just go, go, go as soon as I figured it out. And I was able to pull up what I felt for my skill level was a pretty nice website out in a couple of days. That's awesome. And that's what you have to figure out when you're first starting, like building your website is, you know, is this something that you want to spend um, time, like time on learning and time like doing, or do you just want to get it on and, you know, get it done and move on? And it's just like the other things that we've been talking about is you have to know what, you know, do what you do best and outsource the rest. And building your website is one of those things. And as I'm looking, I'm actually behind the scenes kind of re-looking at some of the tools that, um, you know, that he had mentioned. And it's like, you know, if I were starting out again, I've used the service before, I would definitely, definitely look at the um, 
as this as an option. And also, there's also plenty of other ones. I mean, I ha we have a list here, you know, hired out web design. Adobe has one. It's called Adobe Portfolio, WordPress, Joomla, Squarespace, Wix. So there's all these different builders that are available. We have experience in, you know, just a couple of those. You know what I mean? So I think it's important that we share kind of what we know inside and out. But that doesn't mean that these other tools won't work for you. Just because I've spent time on WordPress doesn't mean it's a good fit for you. And just because, you know, Justin likes, um, what did you say? Photobiz. Photobiz. I went blank there. Just because he likes Photobiz doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be worth the investment for you. So you just have to figure out, as we're providing you all the different options that are out there. I've seen a lot of photographers that use Squarespace, and they absolutely love it. I mean, but again, that didn't fit for me and what I wanted. Um, I have used it before. I have. I think I still have one website that's in Squarespace. Um but for me, WordPress worked just like PhotoBiz worked for Justin. So tell me a little bit about like what made you like drive to. I know you talked a little bit about it, but like mm -hmm. give the audience at home like what tools does this have built in that we would have to figure out a different way or it might cost more money if we did it with another solution. Sure. So, um, you know, for me, I it was something that I had experience with that I felt comfortable with, but there's a number of other perks that I think are really great for photographers out of it. Um, so first of all, it's just, it's a web, a website builder specifically made for photographers. So that's already a huge plus. Some of these other ones like Wix and Squarespace and those webs, those are made for general websites. So to find one that's going to cater to your needs as a photographer might take a little bit more time because they have, websites for different services and different products and different types of businesses. So you might have to do some searching to find a, um, I believe they're, I forget what they're called exactly. Um, layouts. I don't know, but like a layout, like that themes, will, themes, layouts, theme. templates. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That will work for your website. Um, they also have, I mean, something else that I had experienced with them um, from my past experience is that their customer service is great. I mean, they're definitely a smaller company. They're not the size of a Wix or a Square Space, so they really value their customers. And I've had my issues that I've had with my website resolved within an hour. You know, I'll call in and I have an immediate. I'm talking to a person. I'm not talking to a re recorded line. It's very cut and dry, and they follow up with you afterwards to make sure everything's working really well. So they've been huge and helping me understand my website better and then giving me solutions that I can actually apply or uh, apply to my website immediately. Sorry, I'm just choking over my words here. Um, but they also have um, proofing. Like I mentioned before, proofing is a great option too, because I know a lot of photographers will, you know, maybe you already have a proofing site that you use, but now you can just build it into your website using PhotoBiz. That makes it really easy. Everything's hosted in one place. You just have to log on. Um, they also are able to accept payments through Square. You can do invoicing. They have the ability to um, do e-commerce, so you can sell prints and packages to your clients through your galleries. Um, and do you, have, I have a question uh, with that. Do they go through your lab? Do you just get the order? Like, how does ordering work? Yeah, so in my experience, I just received the order, and then I would send it out to somebody, um, as opposed to somewhere like Pixie Set. Um, where you would, you know, you, they have their labs that they use and you can choose between them. Um, you could then have the full access to say, hey, I want to send it out to, you know, I think, um, I forget which labs are on Pixie Set, but 
For example, I print a lot of things through Nations Photo Lab, which is not available through um, Pixie Set. So I would have that ability that if I wanted to go and order through Nations Photo Lab, then I could. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, and overall, as I'm looking through here, I'm seeing like all these business tools. I'm seeing, you know, it's instantly a mobile site. So again, most of the traffic right now is done through a mobile phone or a tablet. So your website has to be mobile friendly. And this has that yep. built in. This has the ability to do mobile point of sale. So if you're at an event, and you need to sell something. Or let's say you sit down with that bride and groom and you need to take that deposit. Like It does all that for you. They do email blasts. So you can do 2,000 free email, uh, marketing emails each month. And they already have the templates there for you. Um, comes with a domain. Um, purchase your website address and branded email from PhotoBiz and have all your web essentials together in one place. So they offer the domains and the email. So again, they have a lot of stuff built in, scheduling as well, direct booking, taking payment for sessions. I mean, I'm going through this and I'm like, this would take me a while to do in WordPress. And honestly, like, if you're just getting started, I wouldn't see a better option than using this. And honestly, like I'm looking at the pricing, and for the website platform, it's normally $25 a month. They're doing a COVID-19 where they're cutting it in half, so it's 150 bucks for the year. So like I'm looking at maybe doing some food photography, so I might be looking at doing a you know a separate website. I might try this again because it has unlimited bandwidth. It has you know, you don't have to worry about ads. It has the SSL already built in. It would be a little bit cheaper for me to do this than going with WordPress. My trade-off is, like we talked about before, is I don't have as much control. So the reason I bring that up is you have to realize what's most important for you. None of these are bad tools. You just have to figure out what is best for you and how you work. So yep. moving on, so mind. let's say somebody, you know, I feel like we've given people a lot of information. And in our next episode, we're going to talk more about the style, the content, the SEO, you know, more of the aesthetic. We wanted to give you a firm foundation in a website and all the different moving parts. So if you were to give yourself some action items, what would your action items be, Justin? Yep. So, <clears throat> you know, starting from the beginning, I think coming up with 10 to 15 possible business names um, that would be a good fit for you or names that you like and take those out to some friends or some other photographers and get their opinion on it. You know, maybe make a Facebook status and just say, hey, I'm playing with these 10 names for my photography business. Which one do you think is most fitting of me? And just find out, you know, what people think would work for you. Um from there, once you kind of figure out what name, I would go into the name checker tool we talked about. Um, I believe it was name checker, no E in the end of checker. Yep. So and we'll have a link in the show notes. Yep, in the show notes, there'll be a link. Um, so go there, check it out, see if you can you know, have access to all of the tools that you're going to need through social media and your website and everything before you go ahead and purchase anything. Um, and then... I would go, you know, we didn't really touch on this, but sometimes depending on, you know, what the another photographer is paying for, if you visit other photographers' websites, typically at the bottom or somewhere on the website, it'll tell you what tool they're using to produce that website. So you might see, you know, um, presented by Wix or a um, Squarespace at the bottom of the website or something like that. So you can get a feel for 
what your website could look like compared to some other photographers. So I would spend a little bit of time just kind of browsing and seeing if you can find a couple of options there as well. And I think that too, like you brought up a really good point of why I like WordPress is I can control that I don't show that. I don't know why. I just don't like then, you know, Wix or Squarespace or they put that branding on there. Um, to me, I don't want people to go find this tool and see how easy it is to do something because that's going to kind of discredit me. And it could be like a non-issue. It could be my own insecurities, if you will. But I like that, you know, just not having that on there makes it look professional. Like I spent the money to have a professional website built and I took the time to be a little bit more professional where those other tools, you know, they show that on there. So that's just a personal thing, personal opinion. Um, If you can get those off of there, I definitely get them removed. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's nicer to have it. It looks a lot more complete and finished without it. Um, But at the same time, you may be able to learn something from a photographer who hasn't had those removed. So you may be able to get a feel for what your website could look like. So you keep an eye out for those. Um, Next, I would do create like a benefit to cost sheet. Now, what I mean by that is maybe outline the benefits of the different applications you're looking at to build your website and see which ones are offering what at what price point. So what's going to, you know, maybe one offers you an email, but another one you have to pay extra to get the email through it. Or maybe one software offers blogging, but another one doesn't have blogging. So, you know, see which ones have what going to, what are going to fit your needs and then use that to help make a decision as to what builder you're going to use. 100%. And then final step would be to go out and purchase your domain and your hosting and the builder that you're going to use. I mean, it does cost a little bit of money to get this stuff off the ground. But once you get to that step and you figured out your business name and what your website address is going to be, the next step is just like making it happen and bringing it to fruition. And from there, we'll get into kind of the building and what your website should look like in the next episode. 100%. And I think it's important that we are constantly learning about these different items and getting the outside opinions from others. So like I I like to recommend a few books at the end of every single episode. Uh, The first one I think is one that I've written before, wrote about before, and that is StoryBrand. StoryBrand has been a great book for me to read because it's it's taking me through this journey of setting up my business to be a story brand, one that gets customers to, you know, from the beginning to the end, solving problems. And I think there that this is a very important read, especially when you're designing your website. It's important what your website can, you know, when you're designing it, because it has to solve problems for customers. If it's a bride looking for a photographer, you know, she's going to have questions in her head about certain things. How does your website answer those questions? Maybe it's a headshot photographer. How does your website answer those questions? And, you know, how does it get them to be the champion? How do you, you know, when they go to your website, how do they leave feeling, you know, better than they ever had? And that's what StoryBrand kind of preaches on. And then you had one too. It was called what? Content Inc. I believe. Yeah. So my first book recommendation of the the series so far. But um, I really enjoyed this book. I read it a couple years ago, and after we were kind of talking about books for this, I was like, man, I really should go back and kind of dive into this again. I think it's just good to refresh uh, on some you know books that you enjoyed in the past. But it's called Content Inc. It was a book I read in college based around uh, content marketing. So this book is kind of would be a little bit of a head start for next week's episode. Episode when we start getting into talking about things like blogging and SEO. Sorry, not next week, but the next episode. Um, 
but it's going to give you an idea of, okay, how do you use content to your advantage to really take your business to the next level and how you can use your website to do so? Um, so that's a great tool to kind of just give you a new, a new, um, thought process on creating content and what's really going to help you build your audience so that you can elevate your business. Absolutely. And along the same lines, I actually had to ask him if his option, like the book that he was recommending was the same and it's not. The one I'm actually recommending is called Blog Inc. So blogging for passion, profit, and to create community. Uh, so one thing I like about this is it goes through, it talks about designing your website. It talks about choosing the platform. It talks about how to finance like your website and your blog. So it's more based on like using blogging as a business. So I don't want you to be turned off by that because I think it's super important that you read the things that are in this book because it's going to teach you how to write blog posts that convert customers. Again, when we create this piece of content, whether it's a blog post, whether it's um, you know, a free guide on, you know, something about their wedding day or five things to look at in the wedding DJ. Like whenever we're creating this content, we have to have that call to action to do something. And that's, what's great about this book is it's teaching you how to basically do that as a business, like as a separate standalone business. So if you apply these concepts with your writing that you're doing now, you know, you, when you create your blog posts about the event that you shot and you share the images, after reading this, you'll learn about how you attract a community, a fan base. How do you, you know, get people to fall in love with your content and be part of your tribe? And I think if you take this outside look at it, I think it's just going to help you be better when it comes to creating content for your website. Great. So is there anything else that you can think of? I just want to summarize a little bit. We went through, we got our domain, which is our ability to control where a name goes. You talked a little bit about hosting, which is basically a container that holds our website. We then talked about different applications that run on that hosting. And then we also talked about kind of all-in-one solutions like PhotoBiz, which, you know, he kind of made a, uh, made a believer out of me, if you will, um, of PhotoBiz. So what, is there anything else that we need to cover before jumping off of here? Is there anything you can think of? You know what? I think that was pretty comprehensive, at least, you know, a, a beginner crash course and what to expect when going about building your website. I'm, I'm really looking forward to our next episode when we can get into the actual building of a website and what does a website for a photographer need to look like. I think there's a lot of creative potential and freedom there that um, that gets me excited to talk about. But as far as this goes, I think if it were my first listening to all this information about building a website, I would be feeling a little overwhelmed right now. Might need to go back and listen to things a couple times just to get a better understanding of it. So I think that's a pretty good comprehensive summary of what to expect when you're going into building your first website. 100%. And then as always, if you need absolutely anything from us, please let us know. I geek out on this stuff. And like this was uh, probably a more me dominated episode because this is the tech stuff. This is what I thrive on, you know, and next we're going to talk about kind of the creative side when it comes to your brand and the messaging and that kind of stuff. So Justin's going to kind of take the kind of take the lead on the next one. So join us for our next episode, which is part two of creating your website to learn a little bit more of the creative side. So if people yeah, want to absolutely. find out and find out where you're from, like how do they find you online if they're new to the yeah, sure. new to the podcast? 
So you can you can find me pretty much anywhere on social media by searching at What's Up on Justin. You'll find me on Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram, or you can visit my website. I think I mentioned it earlier, but it's justingamblephotography.com. Feel free to reach out to me or send me an email on there. I'm happy to answer any questions. This definitely, if you're looking at some of the more tech stuff here, TJ is probably going to be a better guy to contact on that. (laughs) But, you know, if you need anything else in regards to business, feel free to reach out to me. Absolutely. Thank you very much. You can find me at TJ at TJHouston.com or just do a search, a Google search for TJ Houston. You'll be sure to find me. This has been another episode of the Talking Pixels podcast, and we hope you have a great week. See you later, Justin. See you, TJ.